You're listening to the music of Zidash, an ensemble from the Republic of Georgia. They're just some of the artists performing at the 2018 Lotus World Music and Arts Festival. And this is Artworks, the weekly podcast produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm Josephine Reed. From September 27th to the 30th, downtown Bloomington, Indiana, will be jumping. The Lotus World Music and Arts Foundation will launch its 25th annual festival. Established in 1994 and a longtime NEA grantee, Lotus is one of the oldest world music festivals in the country and the only festival of its kind in the state of Indiana. Throughout the years, Lotus has welcomed more than 575 artists from 120-plus countries. For three days in September, downtown Bloomington is transformed into a 10-block, pedestrian-friendly center of music, dance, and art, with a roster of 25 to 30 different performers from around the world. It's an exploration and celebration of the world's diverse cultures in the middle of America's heartland. There's something for everyone, and much of it is free. Just ask any of the 12,000 people who are expected to attend. But what exactly makes this festival tick? How did it become one of the premier music events in the Midwest? I wanted some backstory, so I went straight to the source. My name is Sunny Fass, and I'm the executive director of Lotus. I've been the executive director for five years. Um, my name is Luann Holliday. I began in the early days of Lotus as a volunteer, and then I grew into a staff person, and I worked for Lotus for about 18 years. And I, after I quit and retired, I continued to volunteer. So I've been involved with Lotus for a long time. So you're not letting it go. <laughs> I can't let it go. It's too much fun. I gave a thumbnail sketch about the Lotus Festival, but before we do a deep dive, how about a little background? And why don't we start with the name? Where did the name Lotus come from? Yeah, so this is Luann. When the festival was first being devised by a, a small committee of community members, they were kicking around notions for the naming of the festival. And a number of the people involved with the planning were familiar with a musician named Lotus Dickey, who was from Orange County, Indiana. He was a, a self-taught musician who was sort of discovered in his 60s, perhaps, by folklorists at IU. And he played with a lot of local musicians, and he was known for a real generosity of spirit and a curiosity about all sorts of things. And so that was an appeal. His name, Lotus, was something that uh, indicated a broader global reach because uh, lotuses grow everywhere and they grow out of the mud and flower into something beautiful. So they have humble roots but broad, beautiful results. And that was how the name Lotus World Music and Arts Festival came to be. So it's uh, the name Lotus, which has Indiana roots but also sort of global implications. Well, let's talk about, briefly at least, about the roots of the festival itself. 
when it began and and how it came together, what what the goal was for the festival, what what sort of ignited people's passion to make this happen. Sonny's throwing that back to me. This is Luann again. Bloomington is the home to Indiana University, so we're Southern Indiana, uh, but we also have this internationally recognized uh, university that has a big school of music. And because we're a university, uh, we have a lot of international students. And with these international students, there are a lot of musicians, a lot of artists. There were three three men who who, who had the seeds of the, the festival. One was uh, a guy named James Combs, who was with a band called Arson Garden. They were sort of alt-rock. Uh, there was a guy named Shayar Daneshkar, who was a musician uh, who played traditional Iranian music. So these two guys, they were fascinated with the notion of being able to put on a, a music festival that could present artists from around the world playing musics that were not just American-based. But they needed the assistance of somebody who knew how to produce music. And th- that was Lee Williams, who became the first executive director and the only other executive director prior to Sonny. Lee uh, retired a year or so ago. And they loved the idea of, of presenting this broad-based international music festival in this environment, southern Indiana, and downtown in, in this city that we all really loved. And Lee developed the idea of becoming a destination for international performing artists and developing Lotus as a showcase for uh, musicians from around the world. What makes Lotus a unique festival? How is this festival different from all other festivals? Yes, uh, this is Sunny, so I'm happy to talk about that. A couple of different ways, actually. First is type of music that the festival presents, we really try to take a very wide, broad lens on the notion of world music. So we, first of all, unlike a lot of other entities that, that deal with this kind of music, we try to consider the whole world, which includes North America and the United States, which is often excluded from other kinds of world music events. So it, it's very inclusive of the entire world. We also are very inclusive of all different types of genres of music. This is not a festival of traditional musics, although we do present traditional musics from from various parts of the world and various cultures. But we are really looking at music across the traditional and contemporary spectrum. We also really try to seek diversity in terms of musicians of of different genders that are represented on our stage, uh, musicians of different ages and of different generations and at different points in their career. So we're, we're just as likely to introduce someone who's on their debut U.S. tour as we are to book a veteran artist um, who's been, who has a very long career behind them. And we're putting them on a very equal footing. The other thing that I think artistically makes the festival quite unique is that we do not use a headliner model at all. Um, It's very egalitarian. It's usually 25 to 30 artists on the festival. And it's really a voyage of discovery for our patrons and and for our community to be able to really experience new things. And and it's not a matter of placing any one artist above another artist.
I would say also the sort of the geography of the festival is also quite unique. This is not a festival in a field that is often the case for, for many large, not just world music festivals, but music festivals in general. This is a, it's an urban festival. It is a downtown festival. And Lotus really transforms downtown Bloomington and shapes it into this this gathering space for the community and for our artists. So we block off about, I would say, usually about a 10-block square perimeter and block that off to traffic so it becomes a pedestrian-only area. We are utilizing spaces that are not normally spaces for musical performance. We use churches. Uh, we also we do use traditional theaters. We also put up large tents in the downtown streets. So we're really integrating what Lotus is and sort of the Lotus vibe and the Lotus vision. It becomes intimately integrated with downtown life in, in Bloomington. And that's also really special. I've attended a number of different music festivals, and I've never found one that feels the way Lotus does and really um, engenders this sense of community. Who's the audience for Lotus? Who, who goes? Our audience is unusually multi-generational. What, what Lotus is doing speaks to people across the age spectrum. It speaks to people across socioeconomic status or background. I've rarely been in an environment, even especially a performing arts environment, where crowding the stage in one of our tents are an 85-year-old grandmother there with their 15-year-old grandson and their college kids. I mean, it's everybody that turns up for, for this event. And it's sharing an experience, and I especially think in those kind of shared experiences across generational lines are, are very rare. Um, so that's something that's also very special about what Lotus sort of brings out in our community. And how involved is the community in putting the festival on and, and helping, helping to uh, sort of make the wheels go round? This is no small thing that you do every year. This festival would not be possible without the participation of hundreds and hundreds of people in our community. We work with a volunteer corps of, these days it's, it's edging up close to 600 people. Oh my God. Over the course of the event, just had a volunteer party, uh, recognition party last week, and we were giving out awards for people. You had to rent a stadium for it. Pretty much. It was, it was vast. But we... Um, we're giving out awards for people who have been volunteering with us for over 20 years. It is truly a, a work of our community and a labor of love. Everybody participates. We invest our volunteers with a lot of ownership and um, responsibility. And so people are, are very invested. I would imagine Lotus would have to have a pretty strong working relationship with the city government in order for the festival to happen the way it does. And this is Luann again. The Lotus relationship with the city of Bloomington was developed and cultivated over the years. That is massive because we would not be able to shut down parts of the street and get the support that is essential for a city-based festival without a positive relationship with the city. And you know, Lotus is it's an independent nonprofit, but there are strong relationships between Lotus and the university, and then lots of other community entities. So it very much is embedded in this community. It wasn't dropped out of the sky. That idea of roots, the that growing Lotus, is apt because of how long it's taken for Lotus to grow into the organization that it is. Well, let's say I'm coming to to the festival for the first time. What can what can I expect? So, the typical 
trajectory of the festival is we always kick off with a an opening concert, and that's usually on Thursday night. And that's usually one or two bands to really just start the weekend. Um, and that is a, a ticketed event that takes place in the historic Buzzkirk Chumley Theater in downtown Bloomington. And then on the Friday is when we close all the streets and put up the tents and kind of transform everything. And our showcase evenings begin on Friday evening. So when I say showcase, this is all of our artists. Again, usually 25 to 30 artists, so usually 15 to 16 artists each night. Friday night is the first showcase night and Saturday night as well. We have music going on from right around 6 p.m. all the way through to midnight. It is happening in usually six to eight venues downtown simultaneously. Usually sets are anywhere from 45 to 75 minutes with some breaks in between for changeovers. So at each venue, there are usually three or four sets um, with different artists over the course of those six hours. And the festival admission, when you when you buy a ticket, you get a wristband. And that wristband, we say, is your passport. It gets you in to all of the venues and all of the sets on each of the, the showcase nights. During the day on Saturday, we have an event that's been going on now for, I'm going to say, at least 16 years. I'm kind of looking at Luann with our best guess. But um, it's called Lotus in the Park. And when Luann mentioned our relationship with the city, this is a great example of the mayor at the time, um, Mark Cruzan, coming to Lee and working collaboratively. How can we um, expand what Lotus is offering to the community and really add this other dimension using some of our city parks. And so this is one of our largest parks downtown, and it is a free event that um, happens from from noon to five on the Lotus weekend Saturday. And it draws a lot of families. People bring their lawn chairs and their blankets, and that's um, a combination of performances on the, the bandstand in the park. And then we also have workshops with our artists. So these are kind of smaller events um, where folks can get up close to some of our festival artists and hear them talk about their background and their instruments and do some kind of more intimate demonstrations. And then there are also hands-on art activities or art camp. So that's a lot of different community partners will bring activities that, again, kids and families can browse and they're usually reflective of different cultures from around the world. Um, and there's food, and it's just, Lotus in the Park is just a really vibrant, great scene. And that event alone usually draws about 2,500 people in that afternoon. So after Lotus in the Park, as I mentioned, we have our second showcase evening. And then the festival usually wraps up with what we call our World Spirit Concert. And this is a more mellow, meditative kind of event that happens on Sunday afternoon. It's kind of the the culmination of the weekend, and that is um, usually two artists, and that we say the pin gets you in. So for probably at least the last decade or so, we've been creating a commemorative pin every year that helps support what Lotus is and does. So the purchase of that pin also gets you into the Sunday concert. And then we all go home and crash. (laughs) I bet you do and sleep forever. (laughs) We wish. Lotus also has a very strong visual arts component. 
Was that part of the original idea, or did that evolve over time? It was there from the very beginning, and that was part of the the mission. It's part of the name. And I would say in the last decade, that's gotten ever stronger. And part of the festival precinct, if you will, is an arts village, quote-unquote. And it's a good solid block of interactive arts installations uh, and hands-on activities, lots of collaborative work with artists, things like large backdrop projects, uh, big installations. I would just add that many of our, our visual arts installations and activities at the festival are the culmination of our visual arts outreach, which is another program that's core to the organization, where each year we choose a theme of some kind and we bring arts activities out into the community based on that theme. So we've had masks around the world. We've we've done things that are focused on particular particular cultures. So it's really an opportunity for people to learn more about a particular part of the world or a particular tradition through the visual arts. So we take these activities to the entire community. And then at the festival, we display the work of young people and adults from our community inspired by that particular theme. You also welcome buskers, which, given the amount of free entertainment you have and paid entertainment you have, is is really quite extraordinary. Tell me why you include them. So there's kind of this part of the festival that we collectively call the street scene. Because we exist in a downtown area and we're not off in a field somewhere with fences around it, the festival is really integrated with normal life downtown. There are people who come downtown um, just to soak up the vibe or they're just downtown for their daily business, kind of interacting with with everybody that's down there for the festival. So um, there are thousands of people in the street on Festival Weekend, and that street scene is really exciting. We've kind of let it evolve in its own way. Sometimes we'll have events, sometimes we'll have parades or processions um, or some things that, that we have programmed, but the busker scene has sort of evolved on its own. We don't actually program buskers. We don't really t- play any role in inviting particular people to be there. It's just, just let it be. We just let it be. And there's kind of a live and let live philosophy mm-hmm. with our buskers that, you know, as long as there's sensitivity to if we do have a festival programmed activity that they may be asked to move down the block, you know, but it's, it's really evolved as its own scene around the festival and, and our audience really enjoys it. And it also strikes me as as wonderful as it is for your audience, it must be equally wonderful for the artists who are there to be in such a a worldwide, multi-generational, non-hierarchical situation with other artists and to be able to learn and share. That is absolutely true. And some of my favorite moments at the festival are being around artists when they are interacting with each other. Artists are attending each other's sets. Instagram videos are being circulated as much by artists about other artists as they are about uh, by us and our, and our audience and our, and our marketing team. So these interactions are just phenomenal. Two years ago, we actually happened to have a number of female duos on the festival roster. Uh, it's kind of happened that way. And I happened to be at lunch 
with all of them. And all these women were sitting around the table and they were so excited to talk to each other and hear about the experiences and their music making because they said, you know, usually we're the token female duo on a festival lineup and we never get to see and talk to other women that are doing the the same kinds of things that we're doing. You know, there's some really wonderful relationships being formed. Uh, I think some great cross influences happening as well. You know, it's been 25 years, so you've you've gotten to see what the impact of this festival has had on the Bloomington community. And I'm curious what it is that you do see. This is Luann again. It's hard to imagine extracting Lo- the Lotus World Music and Arts Festival from, from the Bloomington culture. I've been doing this long enough that there are people who were children at the first Lotus who are now bringing their children to Lotus. And mm. it is a way for audiences in southern Indiana to come face to face, literally, with people who look different, who sound different, who speak different languages. And it's I think it's a difficult impact to measure, but especially looking at the last, you know, since 9-11 and then, you know, how things are in the world, uh, issues with visas, immigration, all that kind of stuff. It's nice to see people mixing mixing it up in a non-threatening, welcoming arts environment and enjoying commerce and eating together. Yeah. Sunny, what would you add to that? Well, I would add to that also that the festival has been going on long enough that the mayor's office, city government, kind of everybody considers it one of Bloomington's signature events. And that designation is applied to, to very few things that happen in the community. It has really become in the last 25 years, part of the fabric of Bloomington, part of the identity of Bloomington. I've talked to so many people. They've lived here for 10, 20 years, you know, since the festival has existed, you know, whether they moved here as university faculty or that they relocated for some other reason. So many of them say that hearing about Lotus and knowing that something like this existed in Bloomington helped make Bloomington a desirable destination, a desirable place that they wanted to live. They wanted to live in a place that that had this kind of event and that embraced the philosophy, the vision, the values that make this kind of event possible. This question comes up a lot, kind of the impact of the, of the community on, on Lotus and Lotus on the community. And I always think of it as kind of a chicken and an egg thing over the last quarter century, that it's really become part of what Bloomington is. The other year-round impact you have is your educational component. I want to hear about Lotus Blossoms with its mix of public performance and educational outreach. Tell me about that program. Absolutely. Well, that has actually been going on for just about as long as the festival. The, the core of Lotus Blossoms is the work we do with K-12 schools around, uh, around the state. So Lotus Blossoms usually takes place in March and April. And we're usually bringing five to seven artists from all over the world. But we're especially looking for artists who are really good teaching artists. We bring them out to over 30 schools around uh, this part of the state. Some of these are very rural schools who really don't have very many arts and culture opportunities and especially not opportunities to introduce their students to, to artists from places like Iraq and China and Angola and Finland.
We also have a long-standing event called the World, the Lotus Blossoms World Bazaar. The World Bazaar has been going on for 20-some-odd years, and that is, I would say, a two-day multicultural fair. Um, we work with community partners. We work with the university, um, and it's two days. Each day has about 30 to 35 different activity stations. We set that up in a, in a school gym, and this is everything from kids learning how to write their name in another language to doing block printing with um, West African motifs to getting to try different instruments. It, it's really a whole range of activities. So we bus in on the first day. We bus in all of the fourth graders from Monroe County Schools, and that's usually about 1,300 kids that are descending on the bazaar in its first its first day. And then the second day is the same kinds of activities, but it's it's free and open to the general public on the Saturday. And then the same artists that are going out to elementary schools are also often giving public performances and public workshops that are open to everyone in our community. And these are these are deeper dives. This is beyond just the kind of performance you might see at the festival. These are artists, again, talking about their music and their background and their heritage and their instruments and their creative inspirations and really giving our audiences a chance to get to know them on a deeper level. Well, this is a big year for you, your 25th anniversary. What do you think the festival has accomplished over the last 25 years? I have to acknowledge that I'm a person who's just been intimately involved with the organization for a long time. So this is the this is Luann's take. When Lotus first began, it was uh, only one world music festival in this Midwestern landscape, and it is now one of a number. It, it, and, it, and so part of what Lotus did uh, and through Lee Williams and people like Mike Orlova when he was up in Chicago was to help establish a network of Midwestern festivals that present this kind of music to make it easier and more viable for touring artists who represent a, a wild array of cultures to come here and to bring what they do into the heart of the United States, not just the coasts. And so Lotus was and is an anchor point for that sort of effort. And it is a sort of a cultural exploration uh, using music and other arts to bring people together, to make it easy for people to come downtown in Bloomington and go from venue to venue and see these people and meet them and and feel like you're a global citizen in the heart of your own town, that to me is one of the greatest accomplishments of what Lotus has done in the last 25 years. And my final question is, I'm coming to the Lotus Festival for the first time. Yay! What, ad <laughs> what advice do you have for me? <laughs> we both just sort of took a deep breath and looked at each other. Um, try not try to come as expectation free as possible. Do your homework with the artists, but be prepared to make really fresh discoveries that aren't based on anything that you planned on doing. And allow yourself to just kind of go with the flow. This is Sunny. I would echo that. I would say that certainly knowing a little bit about the artists before you come, browsing our website, watching some video clips that we provide. I think we provide pretty good information about, about the roster. But being flexible and being open. Be like water. Exactly. Yes. Flow yes. throughout. And also all the different activities that, that make up the festival weekend. So also allowing yourself to, to check out things that are happening during the day and the arts village and the installations and the parades and 
that community feeling that happens in the streets is, is also not to be missed. Well, Luann, Sunny, thank you both so much. I really appreciate you giving me your time. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Joe. It was a pleasure. That was Sunny Fass and Luann Holiday. Sunny is the executive director of the Lotus World Music and Arts Foundation, which runs the Lotus Festival. Luann was a longtime staff member and now a volunteer for the festival. The Lotus Festival will take place in Bloomington, Indiana from September 27th through September 30th. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. Please subscribe to Artworks wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating on Apple. It helps people to find us. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening.